Chapter Twenty of the Secret City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Secret City by Hugh Walpole. Chapter Twenty. His greeting was most amiable. He was wearing a rather short fur coat that only reached to a little below his knees, and the fur of the coat was of a deep rich brown, so that his pale square yellow beard contrasted with this so abruptly as to seem false. His body was as ever thick and self-confident, and the round fur cap that he wore was cocked ever so slightly to one side. I did not want to see him, but I was caught. I fancied that he knew very well that I wanted to escape, and that now, for sheer perversity, he would see that I did not. Indeed, he caught my arm and drew me out of the market. We passed into the dusky streets. Now, Ivan Andreevich, he said, this is very pleasant, very. You elude me, you know, which is unkind, with two so old acquaintances. Of course I know that you dislike me, and I don't suppose that I have the highest opinion of you, but, nevertheless, we should be interested in one another. Our common experience. He broke off with a little shiver, and pulled his fur coat closer around him. I knew that all that I wanted was to break away. We had passed quickly on leaving the market into some of the meanest streets of Petrograd, this was the Petrograd of Dostoevsky, the Petrograd of poor folk, and crime and punishment, and the despised and rejected. Monstrous groups of flats towered above us, and in the gathering dusk the figures that slipped in and out of the doors were furtive shadows and ghosts. No one seemed to speak. You could see no faces under the spare pale-flamed lamps only hear whispers and smell rotten stinks and feel the snow, foul and soiled under one's feet. "'Look here, Semyonov,' I said, slipping from the control of his hand. "'It's just as you say, we don't like one another, and we know one another well enough to say so. Neither you nor I wish to revive the past, and there's nothing in the present that we have in common.' "'Nothing,' he laughed. What about my delightful nieces and their home circle? You were always one to shrink from the truth, Ivan Andreevich. You fancy that you can sink into the bosom of a charming family and escape the disadvantages? Not at all. There are always disadvantages in a Russian family. I am the disadvantage in this one. He laughed again and insisted on taking my arm once more. If you feel so strongly about me, Durward... When he used my surname, he always accentuated the second syllable very strongly. All you have to do is to cut my niece Vera out of your visiting list. That, I imagine, is the last thing that you wish. Well, then... Vera Mikhailovna is my friend, I said hotly. It was foolish of me to be so easily provoked, but I could not endure his sneering tone. If you imply... Nonsense, he answered sharply, I imply nothing. Do you suppose that I have been more than a month here without discovering the facts? It's your English friend Lawrence who is in love with Vera, and Vera with him. That is a lie, I cried. He laughed. You English, he said, are not so unobservant as you seem. 
but you hate facts vera and your friend lawrence have been in love with one another since their first meeting and my dear nephew-in-law markovitch knows it that's impossible i cried he no semyonov replied i was wrong he does not know it he suspects and my nephew-in-law in a state of suspicion is a delightful study by now we were in a narrow street so dark that we stumbled at every step we seemed to be quite alone it was i who now caught his arm semyonov i said and my urgency stopped him so that he stood where he was leave them alone leave them alone they've done no harm to you they can offer you nothing they are not intelligent enough for you nor amusing enough even if it is true what you say it will pass lawrence will go away i will see that he does only leave them alone for god's sake let them be his face was very close to mine and looking at it in the gathering dark it was as though it were a face of glass behind which other faces passed and repassed i cannot hope to give any idea of the strange mingling of regret malice pride pain scorn and humour that those eyes showed his red lips parted as though he would speak for a moment he turned away from me and looked down the black tunnel of the street then he walked forward again you are wrong my friend he said if you imagine that there is no amusement for me in the study of my family it is my family you know i have none other perhaps it has never occurred to you derward that possibly i am a lonely man as he spoke i heard again the echo of that voice as it vanished into the darkness no one and the answer no one don't imagine he continued that i am asking for your pity that indeed would be humorous i pity no one and i despise the men who have it to bestow but there are situations in life that are intolerable ivan andreevich and any man who is a man will see that he escapes from such a thing may i not find in the bosom of my family such an escape he laughed i know nothing about that i began hotly all i know is but he went on as though he had not heard me have you ever thought about death since you came away from the front de derward it used to occupy your mind a good deal while you were there i remember in a foolish romantic sentimental way of course you'll forgive me saying that your views of death were those of a second-hand novelist all the same i'll do you the justice of acknowledging that you had studied it at first hand you're not a coward you know i was struck most vividly with a sense of his uneasiness during those other days uneasy was the very last thing that i ever would have said that he was even after his catastrophe his grip of his soul did not loosen it was just that loosening that i felt now he had less control of the beasts that dwelt beneath the ground of his house and he could hear them snarl and whine and could feel the floor quiver with the echo of their movements i suddenly knew that i was afraid of him no longer now see alexey petrovitch i said it isn't death that we want to talk about now it is a much simpler thing it is that you shouldn't for your own amusement simply go in and spoil the lives of some of my friends for nothing at all except your own stupid pride if that's your plan i'm going to prevent it why ivan andreevich he cried laughing this is a challenge 
"'You can take it at what you please,' I answered gravely. "'But, incorrigible sentimentalist,' he went on, "'tell me, are you English and moralist, "'and believer in a good and righteous God as you are, "'are you really going to encourage this abominable adultery, "'this open, ruthless wrecking of a good man's home? "'You surprise me. "'This is a new light on your otherwise rather uninteresting character.' "'Never mind my character,' I answered him. "'All you've got to do is to leave Vera Mikhailovna alone. "'There'll be no wrecking of homes unless you are the wrecker.' "'He put his hand on my arm again. "'Listen to a word,' he said. "'I'll tell you a little story. "'I'm a doctor, you know, "'and many curious things occur within my province. "'Well, some years ago I knew a man "'who was very miserable and very proud.' His pride resented that he should be miserable, and he was always suspecting that people saw his weakness. And as he despised human nature, and thought his companions fools and deserving of all that they got and more, he couldn't bear the thought that they should perceive that he allowed himself to be unhappy. He coveted death. If it meant extinction, he would imagine nothing pleasanter than so restful an aloofness quiet and apart and alone, whilst others hurried and scrambled and pursued the future. And if death did not mean extinction, then he thought that he might snatch and secure for himself something which in life had eluded him. So he coveted death, but he was too proud to reach it by suicide. That seemed to him a contemptible and cowardly evasion, and such an easy solution would have denied the purpose of all his life so he looked about him and discovered amongst his friends a man whose character he knew well a man idealistic and foolish and romantic like yourself ivan andreevich only caring more for ideas more impulsive and more reckless he found this man and made him his friend he played with him as a cat does with a mouse he enjoyed life for about a year and then he was murdered murdered i exclaimed yes shot by his idealistic friend i envy him that year he must have experienced many breathless sensations when the murderer was tried his only explanation was that he had been irritated and disappointed disappointed of what asked the judge of everything in which he believed said the man it seemed a poor excuse for a murder he is still, I have no doubt, in Siberia. But I envy my friend. That was a delightful death to die. Good night, Ivan Andreevich. He waved his hand at me and was gone. I was quite alone in the long black street, engulfed by the high overhanging flats. End of chapter 20